Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is Les Vogler, uh, and I'm representing uh, Nebraska Bowl Service, Vogler Seaman Center, Vogler Cattle. Uh, just a brief history. Uh, my uh, family, we started collecting bulls uh, back in 1983 uh, thanks to uh, the courage and foresight of my mom and dad, Lloyd and Rosalind Vogler. Uh, they started a new business we knew nothing about, uh, and it's been a family business from 1983 on. In the past few years, it's kind of morphed into a lot more than that. Uh, just uh, in the two or three years ago, we purchased uh, Nebraska Bull Service, and we've been running Vogler Cattle, and now we are also doing IVF with Bovitech. Uh, and if you want to know more about the family history, you can go back in some of the previous podcasts. I believe there's one in there that kind of uh, gives the whole story of that, but I just kind of wanted to run, like reiterate uh, how we got started and, and what we've been doing in the main goal or the purpose of the bullpen podcast is I want to work with uh, with uh, the customers that I work with and help them promote their product, their business, or whatever they have, uh, and keep it mainly cattle or livestock or uh, ag ag related. Once in a while, uh, we will jump off and jump the fence from the bullpen, talk a little politics, uh, and I'll just warn you all right now. I lean right. I'm conservative. I love love and fear God both at the same time. Carry a gun. And uh, if you're listening right now and don't, don't approve of any of that, turn the damn station. <laughs> Go somewhere else. So that's, uh, that's, where, that's where we're at. So, uh, and to contact me, uh, you can go to VoglerSeaman.com, NebraskaBullService.com. Uh, my Facebook, uh, it's got my picture on there, Les Vogler. Go to Les Vogler on Facebook. Follow me. Text me. Uh, office phone number is 402-944-2584. Uh, get a hold of me any way you want to that way. And if any of you out there listening want to come on, have an idea, you want to get on the podcast, this is all free to my customers or people that I work with. So uh, that is, uh, you're more than welcome to. If it's a topic that we that I think needs to get out there, you want out there, get a hold of me and we will make this thing roll. Okay, folks. Hey, thanks for, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, jumping into the bullpen today. Like I said in the intro, uh, most of the time we talk to talk to uh, customers or whatever. Once in a while we jump out of the bullpen, bullpen and get uh, into some other uh, ag-related issues uh, that, that are maybe politically related. Excuse me. And today, I think we have a very, very, very important one that I just really learned about uh, two or three weeks ago when I was out at Nebraska Bowl Service uh, talking with a dear friend of mine. Uh, and today, uh, in studio, uh, he is here, uh, Chance Schilling, and then uh, Tanya Store, which is you are from. I'll let you two go ahead and give a little bit of your bios and background, uh, so I don't mess anything up. Sure. Well, um, I'll go ahead and start. Thanks, Les, for having me. Um, 
long time listener, first time co-host with you, right? Yeah, dittos. Uh, so dittos. Kind of exciting, <laughs> right? I, I dubbed myself co-host. That makes me feel better. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, it was actually, you know, you and I got talking about this um, deal that was um, executive order that was signed by the Biden administration. And um, you kind of started researching because you hadn't heard about it. Right. Um, I was fortunate enough to hear our guest um, speak at the Lincoln County Cattlemen's Association. And um, with the timeliness of everything, she did an amazing job. Um, you know, she is a fourth generation rancher. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a county commissioner for the largest county in Nebraska, um, Sherry County. Um, and um, she has roots that I'm sure everyone um, that listens probably knows her dad, Jerry Adamson. Um, yeah, absolutely. So just, I'm, just, just to insert right there, Jerry is the first person I ever had to go borrow money for, for and buy my first 15 head of cattle. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, Deep you know, it's a small yeah, world out yeah, there, right? Last that's right. So, um, I'm going to introduce a very passionate property rights landowner, Tanya Storer, and Tanya can kind of tell us a little bit more um, about herself if she'd like. Um, but, you know, I think our biggest goal with this podcast uh, is three things, Les. Yep. Um, we want to let people know um, what the executive order is, um, and there's still kind of some things that are yet to be determined with that. A little bit of history and then empowering people um, – on what they can do to educate themselves and to help protect themselves. Um, and so that's going to be the goal of this podcast. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, turn it over to Tanya for a little bit. All right. Well, thank you both um, very much for the opportunity to visit. Hopefully folks about this particular executive order, as we're aware, there's been a plethora of executive orders signed by this administration, but this one has drawn some particular interest. Um, as you said, Chance, just for the listeners, yes, I'm fourth generation rancher, um, live a, in about as rural of an area as I think exists, at least in Nebraska. And um, it uh, is property rights have been something that I guess I've been passionate about most of my adult life. Um, spent time off and on through the years doing some deep dives and and research and advocacy work. Um, I've served on the Nebraska Farm Bureau Board of Directors for two terms in in a variety of other roles, just uh, committees or both local and and state and have served now as a Cherry County Commissioner for the last six years. Um, You know, I was told along, oh gosh, 15 or 20 years ago, um, how to, what's the best way to make a difference and, and stand up for not just property rights, but the principles that I think made this country great. Um, and we tend to think that, that that all starts at the top and, and filters down. But the advice I was given is that you engage first in the, your, your closest sphere of influence, which is, of course, your family, and, and then your community and your county, and you work out from there, that our, our greatest ability to make a difference is really at a grassroots level. So... I don't want to take up too much time um, about, you know, my, my history, but certainly enough to let you know that this is an issue that, that yes, I've been passionate about and, and continue to be. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, we, we've been, um, really, it's American Stewards of Liberty that, that are credited for putting together 
um, the information and sort of giving the first alert on 30 by 30 that I was aware of. Uh, Margaret Byfield and her husband, Dan, founded the organization American Stewards of Liberty. Um, I don't have the exact year in front of me, but, you know, well over 15 years ago. And I had met Margaret um, in in that venue when we were asked to speak at an event they had out in Salt Lake City about 15 years ago. And so that's my connection and a little bit of my history with Margaret. For those that, um, I'll age myself a bit, but for those that might remember, there was kind of a famous water rights case years ago, uh, a federal takings case, and it was called the Wayne Hage case. And Wayne Hage was her dad. Yep. And so that was, yeah, and you might might remember it was, you know, on public land. So I know it took me a bit to really get my arms wrapped around, you know, the differences in the in your in your property rights on public land versus deeded land, because here in Nebraska, we're 97% privately owned and very fortunate um, to be that way. But so I'm just going to dive in and, and chance or less at any point um, that you think it's appropriate for a question or, or to hone in on a specific issue. Um, please do that. Just stop me and we'll, you know, trust um, me, trust me. We will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I worked off of Margaret has put together a presentation and she's kind of been on a, all of a sudden a national speaking tour, I guess. And so I have, I've offered to help her out at any chance I can. That's how I ended up at the Lincoln County Cattlemen's um, meeting. And so I, um, don't no need to recreate the wheel. I've just sort of used her, her slide presentation and we'll just kind of follow that format today because it's succinct. Um, it kind of gets to the point and it, it all starts, um, you know, she, she explains just to take a background with what 30 by 30 is. And, and the, the umbrella is, um, for folks that don't know, 30 by 30 is a plan that was included or is, has been included in, um, a executive order signed on January 27th by President Biden. So it's a piece of, of a climate, um, climate tackling climate change, I believe is the title of the executive order. And, and that it, that's been plugged into that, but so it didn't really just pop up, however, and, and Margaret um, has done a great job pulling together the information of, of where those principles of this concept of, of protect permanently protecting 30% of the nation's uh, land and water by 2030, where that came from. And just a little brief history for people that like to do research. Um, the Center for American Progress put out um, a report in August of 2019 called the CAP report. And and when you take a look at that, really the, the verbiage that was put out. Um, in addition to that, that same year, and you may recognize these names, Kamala Harris um, and Deb Haaland. Kamala Harris, of course, is our vice president now, but was Senator Kamala Harris. And as a senator, um, she presented, uh, brought a resolution 372 to the Senate floor that um, had the same objectives of 30 by 30. I would just, I'm just going to say it basically is 30 by 30. And the sister bill to that was um, brought to the House side by Deb Haaland. And of course, she is now our Secretary of Interior. So, so this th this has been in the works um, 
for a bit, um, at least. So things are kind of falling in line is basically what you're saying, Tanya, if I'm not mistaken, to where maybe this has been kind of in the back room or the, or the, the, the back kitchen, but now things are kind of starting to cook and move along and things are falling in place for them to move forward with what, with the, what they have planned. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, the, they have the right people in place now. They, they have the, the policy has, uh, had a trial run, so to speak. And, um, and the, they, I think they believe they have the right political environment. And in addition to that, and we'll get to, to the, a little more detail on this, but they also have the funding in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that funding is through the land and water conservation act. And, and I'll come back to that in, in just a, a moment. Uh-huh. So the executive order itself for folks, I, I encourage, in fact, I'm going to tell you, I, I preparing for the podcast today, I thought, you know, I should read the whole thing in entirety because there's a lot more in it than just, um, than just the 30 by 30 objective, because it's broad. Again, it's the title is tackling the climate crisis at home and abroad. Um, so I, I'd sure encourage folks to, you know, to, to read that on their, on their own time in, in entirety, if, if able. Yeah, um, but that was signed on January 27th um, by the pre- president. And the, this is, I'll just read the, the specific piece to 30 by 30 um, directly out of that order. And it's just a couple sentences I'll, I'll highlight. Right. Um, section 216 says, conserving our nation's lands and waters. The Secretary of the Interior, in consultation with Secretary of Ag, Secretary of Commerce, Chair of the Council on Environmental Quality, and heads of other relevant agencies, shall submit a report to the task force within 90 days of the date of this order, recommending steps that the United States should take, working with state, local, tribal, and territorial governments, agricultural and forest landowners, fishermen, and other key stakeholders to achieve the goal of conserving at least 30%, at least 30% of our lands and waters by 2030. So if you do your math, um, that 90 days is up here next week, um, April 27th. Yeah. So it we're, we're all sort of anxiously waiting to see if that report will even be public or not. Um, but that's going to be, that's going to, to be um, key to understanding the specifics of, of how the Biden administration intends to try and implement or achieve the goal of permanent protection of 30% of the land and water. Now, can I interrupt? Now, when you say 30% protection, what exactly do you mean by that? That is a great question. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit here because there's some very specific, there's some very specific definitions of permanent protection. Mm-hmm. Um, it would primarily to give you an example. Um, there's three ways, even though we don't know their, we don't know their playbook. We don't have the specific plays they're going to run. Right. Um, we, know, we know the rules of the game. Right. And so there's three primary ways to achieve permanent protection. Um, acquisition. And so our national parks um, would be considered permanently protected. Wilderness areas would be considered permanently protected. We have a wilderness area in Cherry County, um, Fort Niagara Wildlife Refuge. Basically, that means no motorized vehicles, 
Um, they, interestingly enough, they, I don't know if you remember years ago when they had the famous cattle drive with the Longhorns down Main Street of Valentine. Sure. The Longhorns off the Fort Wild Refuge. There's no cattle. There's buffalo, but no cattle. So wilderness areas have limitations to any sort of um, use, um, productive use. Um, designations such as, and I'll use examples that in Cherry County, just because that might be easy for folks, um, at least here in, in Nebraska, to identify with. But the Niobro Scenic River designation um, is a federal designation that would be considered permanent protection. So it can be fee title acquisition, um, it can be designations. And right now we see a big, a big push for a heritage area down in, in southeast Nebraska. And we can certainly talk more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be a designation. Um, and then uh, conservation easements in perpetuity would be a, a tool used um, for voluntary, um, where landowners would voluntarily become a partner with um, another they would, they would voluntarily create a partnership in perpetuity and sell those rights for development on their land for pennies on the dollar, quite frankly. To the government. It, to, a land trust has to hold an yep. easement. It's mm-hmm. a um, one-way street, and we can talk more about easements as we, as we kind of get towards, towards sure. the end. But sure. um, so that, can be, that can be government, or that can be a identified land trust. Mm. Um, private individuals can't buy easements. Right. And, and Tanya, like, um, you know, it's my understanding and um, help, help me out here, but um, once you sell those easements, you can never buy them back. It is not like a water right or a mineral right. Um, you sell that easement, it is gone forever, um, impacting the next generation and whoever else would buy that land. Um, so it's gone forever, basically, correct? Correct. Yes. You know, there's been a lot of um, they've created a lot of discussion through the years, easement, conservation easements in perpetuity. Um, but, but, you know, and some will advocate, well, it is a property, right, for me to sell an easement on my, on my land. Um, technically, I would say they're right because they're a legal tool available to landowners. Um, but once that particular property right is exercised, it is um, extinguished forever um, because, you can't later decide to buy those rights back Mm. like a, like a mineral, right? The example you gave. Yeah. So um, it's a one way street. Only, only one private citizens can't buy them. So um, I would say they're very different from, from mineral rights or other um, non-perpetual easements. Um, So yeah, that, those are really the three ways to come back to answer your question. So, so fee, Acquisition of property, the government buying property, probably the least likely way I would say that this is going to, um, if I'm going to give you my predictions, um, probably the least likely way that this will be implemented because it's difficult and expensive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, designations and, and conservation easements in perpetuity. So I would anticipate there will be um, references to those in the plan that hasn't come out yet, but you can, we'll, we'll see if I'm right or not. Right. <laughs> um, so, so hopefully that answered your question less in terms yeah. of what, what is permanent protected look like? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have this 
con- concept that, well, the federal government already owns, I think, almost 28 for percent of the land in the United States is owned by some um, division of government. Right. But that doesn't all, con- is not all considered permanently protected because a good chunk of that is um, grazing lands. Yeah. And so we've been, you know, Halsey Forest, um, McKelvey Forest here in Cherry County, um, you know, BLM land, those all have grazing allotments on them, which which I have learned through the years from Margaret um, are a property right as well. Um, okay. When you hold those allotments, they they are a property right. So those would not be considered permanently protected. Okay. So when we, when we just sort of, um, I'll just sort of try to wrap up the, the, um, the data that we do know, which is pretty limited about 30 by 30. Um, but they, they maintain that, that we need to protect 30%, um, permanently protect 30%, um, because they, the cap report says we are losing equivalent of a football field um, of land every 30 um, to development. Um, now, keep in mind, farming is considered development. Anything that takes that land out of its natural state. How, how, how is farming considered development? Um, because it is um, breaking that topsoil and and changing the use from its natural state from from way uh, back from way back hundreds of years ago yes yes interesting so the one of the the world wildlife fund has been a very aggressive partner in a lot of um conservation um and and maybe we should we did talk about that chance a little bit the difference between conservation and preservation maybe now is a good time yes (laughs) i think so i think uh fact that you pointed out, um, and you did that quite well in the Lincoln County Cattlemen's Association meeting, and it really um, was one that stuck in my mind. So so what is the difference between conservation and preservation? Yeah, so um, really conservation is to use a resource. I would say the biggest difference is to use or to not use. So conservation is to use a natural resource, but and use it in such a way that you leave it in as good or better condition than when you found it. Right. Um, so like I, what most farmers are doing today with their right. land. Yeah, absolutely. That I think that's the philosophy that almost anybody in agriculture embraces um, and, and shoots for preservation by, by definition is to keep something in an unchanged state um, to preserve it. When I, you know, years ago when we were talking to some, some high school kids, we used the example, and maybe this is extreme, but it's a really good one to get your head around. You know, in order to keep something in an unchanged state, you really actually have to kill it, right? Yeah. So living, um, living organisms um, change. And, and, I, and I've also used the example, you know, back here behind our barn, we've got a little area that's, that's – um, it's a great example, a little area that's fenced out because it had the old water cistern in there, which is which is just kind of interesting. But it's just a, not a very big little chunk, but it just made sense to keep it fenced out. So there hasn't been cattle in there for uh, probably 40 years, quite honestly. Hmm. Um, and, and when you look at the condition of that, A, it's changed. Um, I think 
those of us, you know, we're all in agriculture and anybody listening in agriculture would agree with me that you can fence out a acre of ground um, and not put any, any human impact, you know, not just not touch it um, and not allow um, domesticated animals to, to use it. Just set it aside. It will change. Yeah. It will change. And um, I would say almost every time it changes for the worse um, compared to the land that we manage through grazing or, um, you know, use. So preservation was a word that started to get substituted for conservation probably 15 years ago. I really noticed that shift. And so, you know, if you just start sort of listening, you'll, you will probably also um, notice, and I hope that folks will make a correction when you hear people use the word preservation instead of conservation, because they are two very different meanings. Mm, yeah. You know, and I listen to you, it's interesting, you know, uh, God created everything to be used together, right? So as we conserve land, you know, the livestock graze the land in return, uh, they put nutrients back in the soil and, um, you know, that that's God's natural plan, right? right. Is for that to be used. Um, and I think that's important for us to realize that, you know, land is there to be used and managed properly. Right. Yeah. And not just to look at. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's, you know, the, the saying here, just as an example, obviously I live in the heart of the sand hills. And um, so my great grandfather would have homesteaded here. And, you know, the old timers always said, and they passed this, this down that when, when homesteaders arrived, you could track a coyote from the snake river to the Niobrara. <laughs> and that was because there was very little vegetative cover. Yeah. Um, fencing again, you know, we, we, back in the days of, of uh, when my great grandfather came, there was few, if any fences, it was open range use, um, and so the fencing and rotational grazing practices, along with so many other things that we've embraced um, to improve the efficiency of agriculture, have created, you know, a better condition of those natural resources. Yeah. And, and it's interesting when you work, uh, farmers and ranchers have done a really good job with cross fencing and utilizing the grass. Um, and, you know, I, when I was ranching, we used the NRCS office, um, you know, and they helped us with cross-sectioning um, pastures so we could better utilize um, certain species of grass during certain times. And it's amazing what that was able to do in, to improve the land and the grasses. Um, and so, you know, I think it is important, right, to use that in appropriate manner at the right time of the year. Absolutely. And I... I might jump in on that, on that note too. You know, we've had a lot of questions where people, when you mention NRCS, you know, is, um, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of partnership programs um, out there, CSP, CRP, and folks are like, well, is that the same as a conservation easement? No, it's not because those are typically, you know, five or 10 or, you know, a defined period of time. And then everybody's met their obligation and you walk away. And this is forever. Uh, if you do this. And, Conservation easements are forever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, North Dakota, interestingly enough, is one state that I'm aware of that actually will not allow conservation easements in perpetuity. They've defined a term. Um, they will only um, recognize um, conservation easements that have a term on them. I would certainly hope that maybe we start having that discussion here in Nebraska. One thing that is unique to Nebraska is, um, that, that's not common. I don't know if there's any other state. I haven't haven't done, Margaret was not aware of any other state that allows for this, but Nebraska, somebody um, at some point had the wisdom to include it in our state statute that any conservation easement in perpetuity must come before the local um, planning and zoning and, and ultimately the county board of county commissioners of that county that it is being proposed, you know, if a landowner is wanting to sell one, mm-hmm. that it has to come, come before the board. Um, the reason for that, there's, there's a fairly limited basis upon which those can be denied, but the, the reason is to allow the board to make sure that the, the conservation easement is not going to be in conflict with a comprehensive land use plan developed by the county. And, and that almost warrants a whole nother podcast, yeah. but, um, but we are unique in Nebraska that county commissioners are to be looking and approving um, those based on the compliance and alignment with their comprehensive land use plans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I guess I have a couple questions. I mean, going back to this, I mean, this is going to come up April 27th. I mean, president Biden came in, when did he get uh, January 20th, 21st? He signed all the executive orders. And this one happened to be signed January 27th. And this particular, what what is the name of this? Is this 14708 or what the no, What is the number of this? Let me find the number. I should have the number memorized after having these it's, conversations. Yeah, it's uh, 14008. 14008. So after April 27th, if they come out with something, I mean, uh, I, I hate to jump around too much. But I, I mean, I'm very naive at this and curious. What I mean, he signed an executive order. Is there anything we can do as landowners and property owners to keep? Because I know a part of Nebraska that's circled out in this. What can we do to keep the government, or maybe not, but yeah, the government from coming in and taking our land? And we all know what's going to happen if that happens to property right. taxes, food supply, and everything else. What, right. what, what can we do as a public or landowners to help people like you, Tanya, to kind of like fight this and make people aware? Yep, great question, because um, that, that kind of gets us to where we need to be to know how we, uh, how we make action. And so a couple things, Les. Um, I would start with, with the resolution first. I mean, well, it starts with education first, right? So yep. I just encourage people to continue to, to go read that executive order for themselves. Um, it is available. It's linked um, through Liberty Matters News Service, which American Stewards it puts out every week um, online. It's a, you can subscribe to that for free if you want to follow this issue particularly. And so I would, I would encourage people to start there, just read it. It's not overly complicated to read through um, and it will probably generate a lot more questions than answers for Mm -hmm. folks. But so education is key. Um, We're, you know, again, 
a part of that educating process is, is just these kinds of discussions. And so talking to your neighbor about it, bringing attention to it, um, and just getting the best information you can get. The next, the next thing that, um, American stewards actually helped a County out in, in Colorado that has a lot of uh, federally owned land and has sort of fought that issue for years, um, help them draft a resolution on a county level. Now, resolutions do not create law, um, but they do make a statement and identify for those um, further up the chain, whether it be state or federal elected officials, sort of where a, a, a county in this case, um, the position they take. So there is a resolution available. Um, that's also, there's a, there's a draft resolution available on American Stewards website Cherry County passed our resolution, our county commissioner board last week. Um, if you if you take a look, I think they're actually developing a map to keep people informed of what what states are more active in this and and kind of um, lead, taking the lead in Nebraska. Not that we're competitive at all here in Nebraska, but we're winning. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. So far, we have the most counties uh, that have passed the resolution, and then um, and that and that they're. American Stewards is requesting that if a county does pass that, that they forward that on to their office just to keep things sort of organized and they're sending those off to D.C. Um, because it makes a very bold statement to the federal government that we're paying attention um, and this is where we stand on this issue. Right, exactly. So, I mean, and not, I mean, not to kind of, you know, I guess for me I kind of like to, I'm not real intelligent, so I like to kind of dumb things down a little bit. Uh, so let's say this would happen, this 30 by 30 land grab would happen. What is the worst case scenario? What are we looking at? Oh, um, yeah, I guess if it would happen, we would we would then be assuming that 30% of the, and right now, by the way, they they estimate that there's, there's currently 12% of the land and water permanently protected, what they deem permanent protection, you know, the wilderness areas, national parks, yep. conservation easements. And so if they, that requires, you know, I'm not, math wasn't my strong point, but, you know, you can do the math um, to figure out how much more we need to reach 30%. And and so if, if it happens, I think what you're saying is that we would, by 2030, have 30% locked up in permanent protection. You know, they, they have an additional goal. Um, it doesn't end with 30. Now, this isn't right. in the executive order, but the CAP report identifies um, that once 30 by 30 would be achieved, the goal would actually be 50 by 50. Which would be, so, be 50% by the year 2050, correct? Right. Correct. Wow. Right. So I think, you know, the answer to that question becomes pretty clear. We lose um, private property, by the way, I have kind of run into this and I, and I, and I hope we have folks that are listening um, from urban areas as well to, to kind of get your arms around the fact um, oftentimes people think private property is just land, that that issue kind of just, it, it just affects farmers and ranchers. Right. Um, and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, private property can include a variety of things. It's, it's the right to use something you own in a nutshell, mm-hmm. um, that can be intellectual property. That can be your bank account, your car. Um, so it goes far beyond 
land. And the principle of private property, I very firmly believe, is one of those cornerstones of our American freedoms, all other American freedoms we have. It's not a rural issue. It's, it's an American issue. And, and whether you, um, you know, own your home or not, or own land or not, it's, it applies to each and every American citizen in terms of how it will affect our freedom. So my first answer to you would be, it would be a continued erosion of our freedoms when we continue to erode um, the, the private property that American citizens have the ability to use at their discretion. The other, you know, clearly it's going to affect when you take more and more land out of production, productive uses. Yeah. Um, you know, I took econ in college and, and it was a pretty simple concept, supply and demand. Yep, absolutely. Right. And so if we continue to reduce the ability to produce um, food for food, fiber and fuel for not just the United States, but for the world, um, as that supply shrinks, then, um, you know, demand is not going to shrink. Prices increase. Right. And, so- and, and if we do that, I mean, Chance, chime in here whenever you want. Uh, but if we lose 30% or if you already got 18%, I mean, I think that means we would need to lose uh, another, what, 18, uh, 16? Where, where are we at here? 18, Eight, right? Well, yep, yep. Yep. Another, yep. Another, another 12%. Take, 12, take another 12% out of production, land, crops, cattle, or whatever, and we're already, the United States is basically feeding the world, and the world population is growing. What is going to happen to the property taxes on the other ground and, and the food price for the people in the urban areas that maybe mm-hmm. don't understand that or, or don't own a chunk of ground or a chunk of dirt? You know, what's going to happen when they go to the grocery store or whatever? I mean, right now, you, America is known for feeding its people cheap compared to other countries. We're mm-hmm. going to have to start relying on other countries, correct? And, and you know, Les, I think it's important. Uh, visual representation, because um, I'm a visual guy, right? Yep. Um, percent of the land in the United States would be two Texases, basically. Um, so... Imagine taking two Texases out of production. Um, And, um, you know, I pride the United States farmers and ranchers for, you know, being, providing the most safe, reliable, cheap food um, in the world. Um, And I don't think you have to look very far back in history, Les. No, no. Um, I've had a very good conversation with my dad. um, And, you know, people have been hungry or have had their bellies full for too long. Yeah. Um, you know, when, um, when we're able to provide nutri- nutritious food for people, it allows them to go out and do other things in the economy, um, which is what has made America great. Um, because we have been able to provide food and people don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. They've been able to go out right. and do great things for um, humanity because of our farmers and ranchers uh, supplying the very um, most basic need. And that's food. Um, Or, um, and and that's what made America. That's right. Exactly. And, and I mean, I, I I tend to jump around and I'm sorry folks, but I I went back and read part of this Tanya. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't part of that executive order, state that they thought the government could actually do a better job 
of taking care of the farm and the ranches that what the people that actually own it, they think they can do a better job taking care of it than the owners yeah. do. Yeah. And I, um, so interestingly enough, as I was sort of going back through some of that before we got on here today, um, I, you know, you always link to a link to a link. Um, part of that executive order was the president created a, I don't have the title right in front of me, but a envoy for climate something. John Kerry is who he appointed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was reading up on that position and what was going on all that to say today, uh, president Biden is participating in a, in a global climate. And I don't have it up on my screen at the moment, but we can get the name of it, but um, bringing, bringing representation from the around the world. It's, it's kind of uh, facilitated through the UN. Mm-hmm to talk about this. And so when you said, well, we will have to rely on a couple of things. I want to make sure people understand when you, you said, well, it, if, if we achieve that goal, then we'll have to rely more heavily on foreign nations is not just American U S goal. It's a global goal. Okay. So I'll let that in for a minute. Yeah. yeah that didn't take very long to sink in and excuse right. my French, but then w- what the hell do we do? I mean, uh, People got to eat. So is this this is does this all go back to limiting the population? I will I will leave that for individuals. For, uh, I mean, to, it didn't take. Decide. I mean, there's only only so <laughs> yeah. much food can can feed so many people. And I didn't realize this was a global thing. But that yes. I mean, excuse my language, that scares the hell out of me. Yes, and it should so. scare all. Of us. Now, the executive order obviously only applies to the United States because right. that's the only authority that uh, the president of the United States has uh, in an executive order. But it is a glo- global goal. There, um, today's meeting is is not direct. It doesn't reference 30 by 30 specifically, but they're tackling issues. And as I was reading to answer your question about the government thinks they can tell us better, one of the issues um, that these, these um, folks representing various countries around the world, again, kind of facilitated through the UN. One of the issues they're talking about are good sustainable practices for agriculture. So yes, um, when we acknowledge that, you know, and, and I oftentimes hear people talk about best practices, you'll hear that in, um, and I'm not saying that's a bad term, but right. I always, I always question that. And by the way, that's usually part of a conservation easement somewhere embedded in there is, you know, a best practices management system. And and my question has always been who's determining the best practices. Right. Right. Yeah. And apparently today global leaders from around the world are trying to determine best practices for agriculture. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Tina, yesterday when you and I were discussing this, um, you asked, you said something about agenda 21. So I got looking up agenda 21 and that really takes you down some rabbit holes. Um, (laughs) right. Right. Um, but that all started back in 1992. Um, and, and it all comes kind of full circle back to the 30 by 30 program. Um, and I think it would be good for listeners to go out, um, and research agenda 21. Um, and they can start making some of their own conclusions from that as well. But like I said, I don't want to get into it a whole lot because man, it takes you down some rabbit holes online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, when, when we were speaking about these issues and I would sum up 
the issues that we were speaking about was the environmental movement and how that was changing the view and the, and the whole property rights system. Okay. And, and what we feared it was going to continue to target agenda 21 was, was sort of a new relatively new report at that point that people were becoming aware of. And when you would bring that up, you know, people there, Oh, Oh, that's conspiracy theory. That's crazy talk there. You know, the, the UN and I kind of, I kind of chuckle because I'm like, well, I, I don't, I don't think so. It's just an actual report that's available to the public and you should read it. Like, you know, this says it, it's developed by the UN, <laughs> which is an actual organization. And so, you know, Margaret explained the UN well, she's, you know, that it's a group of political, um, I mean, they're, they're politicians on a global yeah. level. Yeah. Right. Mm. And, and so they, they are developing policy to affect us globally, um, similar to how we, you know, we develop policy on a state level to affect the state and the federal level to affect the federal UN is developing policy on a global level. And so mm. agenda 21 was, was a program developed through the UN and yeah, to read it and just sort of see here we are in 2021, um, how much of those objectives, how many of those objectives have actually been met. So is that something the person, the listeners can just Google and, and then start uh-huh. going down the rabbit holes? Yeah. I think it's pretty <laughs> yeah, that, access. Isn't it a chance? I haven't. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, when Kenny and I was talking yesterday, uh, I just was making notes and she said agenda 21. And, um, so just started researching agenda 21 last night and it takes you down some rabbit holes. Um, and certainly I don't want to get into all them today right. because, um, you know, through some of those with, uh, we, we just want to talk about facts today, but that right. agenda 21 is, um, that really, uh, look into and see where we've come since 1992, because like Tanya said, you know, when it was first happened, you know, I was just a young pup at that time, but, um, <laughs> people, she said conspiracy theorists back then, you know, and yeah. it were not too far off from where, what their goals were, you know, they're, they're ever so, it's, um, things are starting to come evolving. into, into, into uh, things are starting to happen, but now they're happening more at warp speed than what they used to back then, basically. Right. Things are, oh, yeah. things are starting to, the way it seems to me, things are starting to line up, and we better be prepared. I mean, yeah, it's warp speed. Things are happening a lot quicker right now. And we yeah, need, I think, go uh, ahead, Kenya. Well, I was just, when you look at, um, you know, back to sort of the UN level of, of policy development, and I really appreciated Margaret. I listened to her. Um, she was doing a, a event up in rapid city a couple nights ago and, and it was live streamed and it's always good for me to just continue to listen. Cause I pick things up again, like, well, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't picked up on that one, but you know, she just came right out and called it for what it is. Cause you know, the, the politicians at the UN level are socialists. It's socialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, let's just call it what it is. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and to take that one step further as, or an example of that, you know, the world economic forum, which you can look that up as well. It's these are, this is not hidden, you know, Right. secret stuff, um, you know, they, they've gotten pretty bold and come right out in terms of what they're working to change from economic policy um, in this country, um, in this world. And, and, they, and they finally, they put a name to what I'd been witnessing for quite some time, um, but they, they want to make this shift from capitalistic um, economic principles to stakeholder capitalism. And the and the in a nutshell that means you know in true capitalism I have an idea or I build something or create something of value, 
um, and whoever it's valuable to determines it's what it's worth and they pay me for it. Right. 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 And, and then I get to keep the profit of, of what it is I sold them. Makes and that's sense. called capitalism. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. Right. And that's what made America um, yep. the, the leader of the free world. That's we achieved more in 200 years in the United States of America than any other um any other country or civilization had up to that point. Mm-hmm. And it was based on that. It was exactly. based on the right to own property um, and reap the rewards of your labor. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and, and so remember, cheap, affordable food. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And so stakeholder capitalism is a shift from all of a sudden some, the theory that someone has is a stakeholder in your transaction or your investment, or let's just say in this case, land, um, because that's kind of what we're talking about today is, um, but yet they have no financial stake in it. So we're sharing with them. There you go. I think they call that socialism. I, yeah, it's like, yeah, (laughs) uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, hey, you know what? Um, We've, we've, I mean, I don't want to cut everybody short, but we've covered a lot for people to digest today. And here's my, here's my thing to you, Tanya. I would love to get you on more and talk about more of this uh, whenever you want to. But I mean, the certain thing about one thing I've learned kind of about podcasts, you, people got a certain attention span. You can go so long and then they'll maybe phase you out. But this is something I would like to keep in front of people. If you, if you see what I'm saying. So yeah. I would love to have you back on again and do some more episodes and really get into the meat of this and see what happens after April 27th. And maybe sure. we can get, uh, you know, one other question, though, before we kind of maybe start wrapping this up a little bit. If you have anything else we're pressing, for heaven, heaven's sake, put it out there. But our local politicians, what do you, th- I mean, uh, yesterday I saw something, Governor Ricketts wrote a letter and my, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so obviously, and and that was good. And I looked at some of the comments underneath that, and it's it's like some of the people are just like bizarre, bizarre world. <laughs> so noticed that as well. Yeah, but, but I'm glad you brought that up because we, um, I I hope folks reach out and and thank Governor Ricketts because he was the first governor, um, and and. Uh, Margaret Byfield with American Stewards was was the one to sort of reach out initially and just make sure his office was aware um, of 30 by 30. Mm -hmm. And I think four days after he received that information, he came out with a press release publicly admonishing um, the 30 by 30 goals Mm -hmm. and, and then took the lead on the letter that was, was pub became public yesterday. I think 15 governors signed off on that. That Mm -hmm. is going to the president's desk. Um, And so Nebraska really has led the way on this. So, not to make a joke, but who will read that? Him or the vice president? <laughs> not not saying that I have any thoughts there, but uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's interesting. So, so Tanya, how can people? I mean, if people want to learn more about this, uh, where what sites can they go to? Who can they reach out to? Uh, uh, throw out some names or some sites or whatever, so people can get more information. If you're going to be speaking anywhere else or or whatever, uh, so we can get people because. From my point of view, not too many people know about this. I'm ignorant to it, and I learned a lot more in the last week or ten days than maybe I wanted to because it's it, it literally scares the heck out of me. 
yeah. from what may happen. So where, where can people learn more about this until they tune into our next pod, podcast and we, and we try to educate them some more? Truly, the, the, the best site really is American Stewards' um, website okay. because they have really done a great job of organizing um, the, the documents. I mean, you can find links. They're, most of them are embedded in their newsletters, but they're all archived there on their website. It's a, it's a free subscription to um, um, the Liberty Matters News Service that I think they're putting out once a week now. Um, and, and there's also dates on there. They're trying to keep the calendar updated, um, to the best of their knowledge, any events where either Margaret or myself, um, are speaking. And, um, so I would, that would be my best suggestion truly. So American stewards.com. Yeah. Uh, I think it's American stewards.us. American stewards.us. Okay. Okay. We can put a link to that on, on the podcast chance. Is there anything you want to kind of sum up? In a, in a nutshell, what your thoughts are on this I, whole deal? I, I think for, you know, every time I listen to Tanya talk, talk it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, we need to be aware of what's going on. I think it's important for the American people, um, our listeners out there, um, to make sure that you draw that line in the sand and say, you know, we're every time you give up a little bit, they can take a little bit more, you know, right. it's kind of yep. like uh, they chisel away. So it's important for the American people um, to stand up and say, no, this is our right. Um, we're, we're not going to let this happen um, because I used the analogy yesterday. Um, you know, it's like you don't throw a frog into boiling water. It jumps out. Right. But if you slowly <laughs> turn up that boiling water, the frog sits there and thinks it's fine until it's not. And um, I think um, that's what's trying to happen with our rights um, as individuals, especially over the last year. Um, It's important for us to remember um, and learn about history because history has a weird way of repeating itself. Boy, boy doesn't it? Yeah, Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, Tanya, let me, I'm like I said, this is an open invitation. And, and if we can, and I know we're going to have a, a, an election coming up here for governor in the state of Nebraska within, when is that election? In 2022? Uh, maybe we could get uh, somebody running for governor on here, see what their thoughts are about it. Uh, maybe we could get Governor Ricketts on here. If you have any suggestions, the yep. more information we can get out and do, like I say, this is, uh, I'm willing to, to come in and do one of these whenever. And I, you know, I like to do as many as possible to keep people informed because uh, I have a lot at stake. In. We all, my grandkids have a lot at stake in it and future generations do. And it's time we start trying to, uh, sometimes when you try to say educate people or whatever, I don't know, they get, they put up a wall, but try to inform people. Right. You right. know, absolutely. So, no, I, I'm happy to um, continue to, to help facilitate discussion. And, um, you know, it again, I'm passionate about the issue and, and getting yep. information out is, is key. I, you know, I would uh, I would venture to say, I bet given the invitation, we could probably get the governor on here to, yeah, to I have would, a. I would definitely, a definitely, definitely love that. That's something we can. Yeah. If you I'm just going to put that ball in your court. If you can do that, you, sure. you give me the time and we'll make it happen. So, right. uh, uh but I mean, here's, I mean, you tell me I'm wrong, but here, here's what kind of what I've gathered from this. The 30 by 30, which is 
of land in the United States are basically worldwide. By the year 2030, the government or United Nations or whoever wants to take control of it, which is going to raise people's property taxes. It's going to lower the amount of food our protein sources that we provide for everybody. And uh, once they start, once they start doing that, we start getting hungry. And like you said, chance, once you start getting hungry and then you get desperate. So, uh, and this is 2021, 2030 is only nine years away, guys. Not far. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, permanent protection is the goal. And that, that really is when you dig into that, you know, um, saying leaving it in a natural state. So limiting or, um, yeah. really limiting or eliminating the use, right. productive use. Right. right, which is really, yeah, it's amazing. So, okay, hey, well, thanks thanks so much, the two of you, and we will, uh, I look forward to hearing hearing from you, Tanya, and you too, Chance, uh, and we'll kind of keep on top of this, and uh, we'll do our best to inform people and uh, let them, Sometimes you need to let people do their own research and figure it out for themselves because you tell them stuff, they don't believe you, they think you're tinfoil hat, you're full of you know, BS or yeah. whatever. So, uh, But we, want, we have the platform to get the information out there to people, let them check it, do whatever they want to, and then we'll go from there and we'll fight the good fight and uh, try, you know, see what happens. And I think we can probably prevail at the end. So, uh, But without, with, with sitting here and not knowing anything about it, there's not a damn thing we can do. We need to get people to learn stuff about it. So I really appreciate your efforts, Tanya, and the group you've been working with and all the, the time you're spending personally to go out and inform people. And also you too, Chance, uh, for, for informing me. And I know you've talked to other people, but uh, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, so thanks again, folks, for uh, turning into uh, this episode of The Bullpen and uh, – you know, uh, you can check it out on all your, uh, I'm always horrible at this, and all the places you can get your podcast, Spotify, has Pat says, rate, review, and subscribe. Is that right, Sasha? Okay, I got the thumbs up from Sasha. Rate, review, and subscribe. Share it with your friends. Uh, contact me on Facebook or by Messenger. Get a hold of uh, Tanya or uh, in whatever, and and then we'll go from We'll go from there, but we really need to stay on top of this, folks. Uh, and sometime we'll get a map out there that shows you a lot of counties in Nebraska and Kansas that are going to be directly infect- affected by this if it happens, and we need to stop it. So thanks again, folks, for uh, jumping into the bullpen, and uh, we'll catch you uh, on the other side. Thanks. A Media Production.